Hi, welcome back to Rock Talk with Dr. Cropper. Today is episode 119 and is a surprise addition to the schedule. Frankly, I was already uh, you know, quite pressed for time getting the last three that I expected to be doing out here, the, the Taylor Swift Midnight's Review, which uh, came out yesterday, and the Led Zeppelin UK 72 tour, uh, 50th anniversary, which will come out Friday, and then the uh, Grateful Dead ranking all 86 72 shows, which I have to uh, finish up my thoughts on and record hopefully tomorrow. Um, but this one is a most welcome surprise to be adding to the schedule. We're going to be reviewing Led Zeppelin's August 19th, 1971 show in Vancouver, the opening night of their North America 71 tour, which did not circulate until now. So very exciting. Before we dive into it, though, I just want to thank you for stopping by. I know the amount of alone time that it takes to get through a podcast isn't always easy to come by these days. So I appreciate you entrusting me with yours and hope you will find that you chose wisely. Uh, I encourage you to follow the show on any and all social media platforms so that you can be kept abreast of all the latest happenings pertaining to the show and the handles are listed in the description if you are interested in a bit more content from me consider subscribing to dr cropper's office hour the apple podcast's exclusive premium spinoff of the show for 249 american per month and there is a one month free trial you get access to pretty well weekly uh, bonus episodes in addition to priority sequence for topic requests and 10% off merchandise. Um, lastly, before we get going, if you feel so inclined to leave a rating and review, if that's an option wherever you listen, those are very helpful to me. Also, you may notice the support the show link at the bottom of the description, the which will direct you to the show's buy me a coffee page. No pressure, of course, but any little bit is most appreciated. So without further ado, let's dive in. So it was a much more dramatic road than it needed to be, which has sadly turned several of my dear friends in the community off of the band for a while. But at long last, a mostly complete recording of Led Zeppelin's August 19th, 1971 concert at PNE Coliseum in Vancouver, British Columbia has surfaced. Uh, we became aware that a tape was out there, I guess a little over a year ago, and it seemed, uh, when I last spoke with you all a few months ago, like um, the leaking of samples uh, of things that had been shared with the Dogs of Doom Discord server that I'm a part of, um, that seemed like the leaking of other things that had been shared was contributed to the taper of this show, selling it to a private collector and that we would maybe never hear it in full. Uh, but a very nice Christmas surprise that uh, we do end up getting to hear the whole tape, which is not quite the whole show, but uh, most of it, we'll talk about that in a second. So, this has been a highly sought after show for a long time for a number of reasons. First of all, it's the opening night of the tour. Uh, for some reason, we seem to have kind of bad luck with opening nights of tours tape wise. Uh, September 7th, 1968, Glad Sachs, Denmark, their first show ever. Um, the 68 ones is a bit different because we only have one show 
from 68, December 30th. Uh, but we're also missing the October 4th, 68 Newcastle, which is a tour opener and, uh, Boxing Day 68 in Denver. We're missing, uh, these are all tour openers that we're missing February 24th, 69 in Wolverhampton, June 13th, 69 in Birmingham, July 5th, 69 Atlanta was missing until recently. Uh, October 3rd, 69 in Scheveningen, uh, Netherlands. Uh, I don't know if I said that right. Uh, October 17th, 69, uh, New York at Carnegie Hall was missing until recently. January 7th, 1970 in Birmingham. February 17th, 70 in Edinburgh. Uh, this one obviously was missing until now. Uh, February 16th, 72 in Perth. Uh, June 6th, 72 in Detroit was missing until recently. The Europe 73 opener, March 2nd in Copenhagen, is missing. The North America 73 opener, May 4th in Atlanta, is missing. Uh, the North America 75 opener, January 18th in Minneapolis, was missing until a few years ago. Uh, and the first show of the year, a uh, week before that, the first of the two warm-ups in Europe, the Rotterdam one, uh, is still missing. Uh, and another one that's highly sought after for set list reasons too. Supposedly Custard Pie was played. Uh, and lastly, the April 1st, 77 show in Dallas, uh, the first show of that year, is missing. Uh, thank God that one was probably very, very rusty. Um, if the one after it is any indication. Um, anyhow, uh, with this Vancouver show being opening night, the set list is a bit different than it would be the rest of the tour, highlighted by what is now one of four recorded performances of Gallo's Pull in full, uh, the others being the May 3rd, 71 Copenhagen show may then the following night in Odense, which just surfaced a few months ago, uh, and the November 16th, 71 show in Ipswich, which we've had for a while. Um, so that's another reason why this was highly sought after. Um, the third reason is that given that plant sounds more or less like his peak self at the 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 show that we have before this August 7th in Montreux, they did two nights there as warm-up shows for this North American tour. Uh, we're missing the second night on August 8th, but the one on the 7th plant sounds basically like his peak self, but shows strain at the show after this Vancouver show, uh, two nights later in Los Angeles, where it's possible he injured his voice permanently. Um, this show has long been suspected to have been his last uh, true peak show. Um, his birthday is also the night in between this one and the LA show. So it's possible some of those issues in Los Angeles were, you know, uh, precipitated by excessive partying on his birthday on the night off and then, you know, pushing himself while in a compromised state led to the damaging of the voice. However it happened, it's long been suspected that this was his last true peak show. Um, 
And then lastly, Zeppelin always seemed to enjoy playing in Vancouver and the rest of the Pacific Northwest for that matter. Uh, Seattle, most of all, which they strangely skipped on this tour. Uh, but anyway, that made it all the more desirable to get this one because it's the only uh, Pacific Northwest show from what many, myself included, consider to be their best year, 1971. Um, Plant typically mentions how much they like playing in this area during the show at some point, and he does that here as well. Uh, and their enthusiasm for the Pacific Northwest typically led to great creative performances. So we now have at least partial recordings of 13 of the 21 shows on the 1971 North American tour, which still isn't a great percentage. The ones that we are still missing are August 24th in Dallas, August 26th in Houston, August 27th in San Antonio, August 29th in New Orleans, September 5th in Chicago, September 10th in Syracuse, and September 16th and 17th in Honolulu. Sadly, for what, as I was saying, many, myself included, considered to be the band's best live year, 1971 fares rather poorly in terms of tape coverage. Uh, we have recordings of just 32 of the uh, 61 shows that they played uh, that year, which works out to 52.46%. So um, this tour actually has above average uh, coverage compared to the rest of the year. 13 of 21 works out to 61.9%. Um, the Japanese tour is the only one we have all of. We aren't missing any of those five, thankfully. But um, if you rank the uh, the years of their career based on percentage of uh, shows that we have recordings for, it actually gets better every year now. It, uh, it was that 71 was beneath 1970, but uh you know when i first ran the numbers sometime last year but since then you know in the past year we've gotten the seven the september 1st hollywood florida show the may 4th odense show and now this one so that's helped the numbers a bit um so the only exception now to the you know each year being better than the last is 75 has a better percentage than 77 but there's a, a huge gap between the percentage of shows that we have 72 onwards versus uh, from the start of their career through 71 um, if we we go uh, like chronologically 1968 we only have 4.34 percent you know just the one show 1969, we only have recordings for 31.64% of the shows. 1970, we have recordings for an even 50%. 71, we now have 52.46%. But then 1972, it jumps up to 82.6%. Uh, 73, 
83.05%. Uh, 75 is at an 89.47%. Uh, 77, it dips back down a bit to 84.09, but still better than any year before it other than 75. Uh, and then 79 and 80 are both at 100%. Um, now, bear in mind that I'm counting shows with partial recordings, which in several cases are extremely fragmentary, so really the numbers are a bit worse than all that. Um, anyhow, back to this Vancouver show and the recording that we now thankfully have. The taper missed the first two songs, Immigrant Song and Heartbreaker, and most of the gaps between songs are cut. Thus, we're missing most of Plant's comments, but beggars can't be choosers. The sound quality is pretty good, and I'm thrilled that we finally have this show mostly complete. So at this point, we'll uh, just talk about the show going song by song with uh, sort of the detailed analysis and then do some bigger picture thoughts. All right, so... The tape cuts in during Paige's solo in Since I've Been Loving You, the third song of the set, uh, and uh, it sounds like a great solo based on what we have. Bonham and Jones both go wild during it as well. Excellent wail from Plant on the exit, followed by someone near the taper, or perhaps the taper himself yelling, sit down you cocksuckers. Uh, more great screams from Plant during the latter half of the song. Too bad we only have 3 minutes 20 seconds of it. Sounds like it's a good version. A cut on the final note leaves us right at the start of Black Dog, so we don't know how Plant introduced it, which is too bad because this would be the first North American version of it, and of course uh, Zeppelin IV didn't come out until a few months after this on November 8th, so all of the versions of songs from it on this tour are you know people hearing it for the first time. So, Black Dog, Plant sounds fantastic on the verses and improvises lines as he does at the following show in LA. Page really shines on this recording, all the clarity and detail that you would get in a soundboard, but still has the power and ambiance of an audience recording. Uh, it's great to hear his riffing on Black Dog in all its glory. And he uh, tosses in some ideas that I haven't heard before on his solo, which is pretty good overall. He really makes his guitar squeal as they drag out the big finish. Not the best Black Dog of the year, but a fun, energetic version for sure. Dazed and Confused clocks in at 15.15, but it is cut. Um, we cut in like right as the song is starting, but that's not the cut that affects the runtime. Uh, moody intro. Solid verses, the lead into the bow is still embryonic, but an effective transition nonetheless. Pretty energetic bow solo from both Page and Plant. Page tosses in some eastern scales before diving into the main solo. Bonham and Jones take off at a torrid pace. After ripping through the main solo, Page throws in a bit of White Summer on his way to the circular funk section, which is a wild cacophony. Somewhat loose from Page, uh, and in terms of how closely linked he and the rhythm section are from that, from the circular funk section, uh, to the Mars section, at which point the tape is cut, leaving us near the end of the outro to the song. Um, 
which is too bad because the outro is my favorite part of Live Dazed. Um, the energy is there on this Dazed, and it has some uniqueness to it, but it's a shadow of what it would become over the ensuing six weeks, and uh, not the absolute tightest either. Stairway to Heaven, making its North American debut, uh, the tape is once again cut between songs, so we don't know how Plant introduces it, but uh, the tape repressed play again right as the song's starting. Uh, gorgeous opening verses with Plant in great voice, as we expected from this show. Page gets a great flow going on the solo, and is pretty creative too, especially near the end. Plant sounds great on the final verse, hitting the high note on the word lady, uh, and also going for the all are one and one is all pretty effectively, which is even more rare than him hitting the lady. Um, very nice early version of Stairway. It's always interesting to hear the crowd's reaction to these versions that predate the release of the fourth album. In this case, you can hear some chattering and rattling beer bottles at the start, then people seem to notice, like, ooh, there's something special to this one, and get dead silent, and then there's a nice ovation at the end. Um, after the song is over, the taper uh, takes the time to say his name and address into the microphone for some reason. I don't know if he expected to you know, be abducted on his way home and wanted someone to be able to find him, or I don't know. Um, going to California is cut. Plant uh, bemoans the uncooperative PA system before they begin. Uh, overall, it's a pretty good version with Plant sounding good. That's the Way is also cut and is an excellent version with Plant really given her, as we say here, in the Great White North, of which Vancouver is a part, um, on the coda. And this is one of the acoustic songs that uh, benefits especially from Plant being in his peak voice, I think. What is and what should never be uh, cuts in near the end of the first chorus. Bonham is particularly bouncy and swinging during the verses. It sounds like there's a slight cut in Page's solo, which is too bad, as it has some great phrasing, and is really the the main por the only portion of the song where you can distinguish one version from the next. Other than that, it's basically just like how energetic is it and how good does Plant sound. Um, speaking of which, this is another song that greatly benefits from peak Plant. Uh, no surprise that they dropped it after June 72, with a lone UK 73 version after that. Now, usually at this uh, stage, Moby Dick would follow What Is and What Should Never Be, but they did not play it this night, and I don't think they did the, uh, the show after this in LA either. They do all the the nights of the tour after that um it, you know i say i don't think because it's possible i guess that it's just missing from the tape the la show but um they don't play it here because they play celebration day and gallows pole between what is and what should never be and a whole lot of love instead so celebration day cuts in at the start once again 
Jones isn't super clear on this tape. Uh, he's loud enough, just a bit muffled and distorted, but he shines as he usually does on since on uh, Celebration Day, rather, here. Uh, interesting start to Paige's first solo on this one. Plant sounds great. A uh, slightly abrupt ending to the song, though, and a little loose overall, but the enthusiasm shines through. Gallo's pull again cuts in right at the start. Page is quite aggressive with the chugging rhythm during the verses. Plant isn't as overpowering as he is on the Copenhagen and Odense versions from May, but still sounds great. The tempo is a bit more controlled than those two, though, which allows for a bit more instrumental nuance to make up for Plant not being quite as otherworldly. And in that sense, you could argue that this version is a happy medium between the Danish versions and the one in Ipswich in November. I'd still say Copenhagen and Odense are the best versions of Gallows Pole, but this one's really nice, and I'm glad we have another one. And then a whole lot of love clocks in at 21.55, but is cut. A unique intro jam, as you'd expect in 71. Page puts a few unique spins on the riff during the verses. He then teases I'm a man before diving into the theremin section. Uh, he doesn't seem too interested in the theremin, instead doing some soloing I haven't heard before over Bonham and Jones's you know, groove for the theremin section. Uh, the everybody needs somebody to love section is really twangy and jangly here. Um, the medley is boogie chillin, that's all right, mama, a mess of blues, which has a bit of a sloppy ending, but they recover and hide it decently well. Uh, and then honeybee page rips off a furious run before plant starts it. And uh, a nice mix of um, ferocious and chill blues jamming on this honeybee and then a uh, kind of for what it's worth-esque jam emerges briefly at the end before they head back into the coda uh, strong finish to wrap up uh, a pretty good version of whole lot of love in the grand scheme of things though far from remarkable by 71 standards which I would say is probably the best year for whole lot of love. Um, you know, it's neither the coolest medley nor the tightest or most fiery playing, but still a good one. And then the encores kick off with Weekend, the Eddie Cochran cover that they didn't do too often, but is always a excellent treat when they did play it. Um, before they begin, Plant thanks the crowd for being everything we expect Vancouver to be, uh, which is what I was getting at in the intro about how much they liked playing in this part of the world. Uh, he sounds great on this weekend. Instrumentally, it's not as tight as the one in LA two days later, but uh, still great to have another version of it on tape. It's one of my favorite covers that they would do. Rock and roll, Plant says, We'd like to do just one more, but they actually do two. Uh, first, the rock and roll, nice fast pace. Plant sounds great. Smooth and unique solo from Page. Uh, that all adds up to a great version of rock and roll. And then they wrap the show up with Communication Breakdown, a really energetic opening with Plant sounding great. 
and Paige really tears through the solo, then it morphs into a neat jam. Slightly abrupt ending, but overall another great 71 version of Communication Breakdown. Uh, and I think 71 is arguably the best year for Communication Breakdown. In terms of overall thoughts about this show, performance-wise, it's actually on the looser end for 71, a uh, key caveat being 471. They certainly don't go off the rails, but it's not airtight by any stretch. Paige is in a creative mood, though, and Bonham and Jones are pretty energetic. The band member we were all curious about, though, with this show is Plant, and he mostly lives up to the hype. Uh, he's better than he is the rest of the tour, though not as good as what we have from earlier in the year, I don't think. Um, you know, the the Copenhagen shows or Milan or the what we have of the clubs tour um, or even the Matro show 12 days earlier. I think he might be a little stronger there. Um, anyway, um, and he has some some great moments in Japan and the UK later in the year. Uh, this is definitely his best singing on the North American tour, though. Um, set list wise, it's got a lot going for it with Gallows Pole and Weekend, and having Celebration Day later in the set is different. Um, there's nothing crazy in the whole lot of love medley, though, and the lack of Moby Dick is actually a minus for me as a drummer. Um, I mean, having Gallows Pole instead of it is a good trade, I guess, but, um, you know, I'd rather just have both. <laughs> anyway, that's um, a nitpick. That's not really a serious criticism. Um, so that's two of our three main factors when we're assessing a concert, right? You got the performance, you got the set list. And remember my, you know, if you compare it to when you're considering potential romantic partners, the perf the pure technical performance is like, uh, you know, looks or like the physical attraction aspect. And then the set list is kind of like compatibility. You know, do we have similar interests? Do we like to spend our time the same way? Um, and then the last, but probably most important connect or, uh, factor in choosing a romantic partner is connection that, uh, kind of unexplainable to just, it's either there or it's not, and you you know it when you see it um, kind of thing. And that can be likened uh, in terms of concerts to the vibes, which I don't know if I would say are the most important factor, but they're at least an equally important factor to me for the most part. Um, some people disagree with that and I get the frustration because they are pretty hard to quantify and you know a lot of it comes from like comments that are made between songs and that so you know a, a joke or a reference that might really tickle me might not do anything for you so then you think like oh this show's vibes are pretty bland but I think like oh yeah I love listening to this show um that's part of the fun it would be pretty boring if we all had the same favorites. What would there be to talk about, right? Um, anyhow, so vibe-wise for this show, it's actually a bit hard to say because, you know, as I was saying, 
for the most part, the vibes come from the banter between songs, or at least in large part. Um, and most of the between song stuff is missing from this tape with all the cuts. Um, yeah, so performance-wise, it gets, I guess, a slightly above average grade for 71 um, because, like, you know, it's energetic and creative, but also a little on the loose end. But Plant is really excellent, so, um, you know, above average, I guess, but on the whole, when you factor in all four members equally, um, but not top tier for 71 performance wise, uh, set list wise, it definitely gets top marks, uh, because of having gallows pull and weekend. Um, even though the medley is not crazy and whole lot of love, it doesn't matter. Gallows pull and weekend count for a lot. Um, and then vibe wise it's get it gets almost a a not applicable um which uh I don't want to punish it and say they're the vibes suck uh probably safe to assume they're pretty good, but unfortunately, we don't get to really assess um in terms of like how I think the show ranks um instrumentally, I think both. Los Angeles shows immediately after it are actually a decent improvement, certainly in terms of tightness. And from the Orlando show, and then we're, uh, Fort Worth is a bit of a down night, more so because of Plant, um, which is the show after LA. And then we're missing four in a row after that. But then when we pick up August 31st in Orlando, from there through the end of the year, um, it's considerably better than this one instrumentally, uh, when you factor in tightness and all of that, and just, you know, adding complexity and developing the songs even more. Um, having said that plant having his best night of the tour and it having one of the better set lists of the year is enough to make this one of the better, or at least more worth listening to shows of the North American tour. It would probably, if I'm speculating on the quality of the ones that were still missing from the tour, I think it would probably be ahead of the missing ones from August, those four in a row between Fort Worth and Orlando, maybe not new Orleans, depending on the set list there. Um, it's believed that they played, Johnny Horton's The Battle of New Orleans in the Whole Lot of Love medley in Syracuse in September, so it would stand to reason that they also did it in New Orleans. If that were the case, that would be a set list point. And um you know, I would imagine given the given that they seemed to like playing in the South as well as the Pacific Northwest and New Orleans in particular, I suspect that one's pretty good. Um, this one might still place ahead of it because of plant and the set list. I would be willing to bet that all four of the missing September shows would beat this show. Um, that I don't think that plant would be better at them, uh, or the set list necessarily, but 
I think instrumentally by that point, the improvements are too strong. Um, the Chicago show that we're missing on the fifth, the two nights before it, the third in New York is an excellent show. One of the better ones of the year. And the following night in Toronto is not that much of a step down. I don't think. Um, and in, you know, so you could make a case for a song here or there being better. Um, so anyway, they're riding a pretty good hot streak coming into that Chicago one that we're missing. And it's reported that they played your time is going to come. I th I'm guessing in the whole lot of love medley. If, if it's a standalone, that's even cooler. Um, and, uh, at least parts of how many more times in the medley, I think too. Um, so I'd be willing to bet that that one would probably beat this Vancouver show. Um, and then the September 10th one in Syracuse, as I said, it's believed they did battle of new Orleans in the whole lot of love medley. Uh, it's coming off of the lone kind of semi off night in September on the ninth in Hampton, Virginia. So, um, I would bet that they were, you know, fired up to get back on track. And also the night after it in Rochester is really good. So I would put my money on Syracuse topping Vancouver. And then, um, I'm now more convinced than ever that those Honolulu shows at the end of the tour between, uh, Berkeley and Japan would be uh the best of the tour if we ever get recordings of them um if the the performance level and set list goodies from the uh from the year before when they went to Honolulu or any indication of how they treated the shows there in 71 i think for sure they would prove to be the best of the north american tour um because basically the 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 most optimistic you know hope of what this Vancouver show could be is like well if it's something approximating the best that the North American tour has to offer instrumentally with plant being pretty darn close to what he sounded like in Denmark in May then that would be one of the best shows of the year uh, and you know, it's got gallows pole on weekend. So it's got some cool set list elements too. Um, but that's proven to not really be the case. The instruments don't get, I think close enough to the best that this tour has to offer and plant is still better than the rest of the tour, but not close enough to how like overpoweringly amazing he is a few months earlier. So, um, comparing this show to the, I talked about how I think it compares to the rest of the North American tour. Um, I'm not sure how I would compare it to the Belfast and Dublin shows in, uh, the beginning of March. Uh, I think Copenhagen and Odense both beat it comfortably. Milan is too short to say really because we only have a couple songs before the crowd issues cut that show short. This one's quite similar to the Montreux show really. Um, 
I think uh, it would probably be a dog fight between this show and Hiroshima. Um, I think this one's definitely beneath the Tokyo and Osaka shows for me. And um, it, it might place kind of middle of the pack with the UK tour in November, December, definitely beneath the better shows on that tour, but uh, probably ahead of some. Compared to the rest of their career, a mid to upper echelon 71 show still places pretty high. So we should all be very grateful that we now have this show in our collection. All right, so that's about all I have to say about this show. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you are new, welcome, and I hope you like what you hear and stick around. And if you've been listening for a while, thank you so much for your continued support. As I said at the beginning, I encourage you to follow the show on any and all social media platforms so you can be kept abreast of all the latest happenings pertaining to the show. And the handles are in the description. Consider subscribing to Dr. Cropper's Office Hour if you're interested in a bit more content. Uh, if, you're, uh, if you feel so inclined to leave a rating and review, if that's an option wherever you're listening, those are very helpful to me. If you're interested in starting your own show, if you uh, sign up with my hosting service, Buzzsprout, you and I will both get a $20 Amazon gift card. Uh, so that's pretty cool. And I believe one of you have done that because I looked on uh, my Buzzsprout account and uh, or on my Amazon account and I have a $20 gift card in there. So um if that's the case and one of you have started a show, congratulations and uh, let me know what it's called. I'd love to check it out. Okay, so, uh, oh yeah, and if you, uh, you may notice the support the show link at the bottom of the description, which directs you to the show's Buy Me a Coffee page. Uh, no pressure, of course, but uh, if you feel so inclined, very much appreciated. Next up on Friday will be the uh, Zeppelin UK 72 50th anniversary episode. And then, uh, probably boxing day, I will drop the final episode of the year ranking all 86 of the Grateful Dead's 1972 shows. And then, uh, probably, uh, it won't be anything the first week or two of January while I, uh, take a little break and, uh, give some attention to other areas of my life that have been a bit neglected with the, uh, how busy I've been with the show and work the past few months and, uh, you know, look at the scheduling for 2023 and what, uh, stuff I should talk about and all that. Okay. So have a great couple days and I'll see you on Friday. Class dismissed.